Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Amen. Tonight, I'm going to talk to us um, on on a subject called Teach Us to Pray. And um, I'm going to read uh, one passage of Scripture out of Luke chapter 1 and verse number 1. And uh, then, then we're going to just talk. I'm just going to teach on this for a little while. And uh, we're going to put something in your hands here in just a moment. Amen. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. And it came to pass that... As he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Lord, would you teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples? Amen. And we're going we're gonna to see what Jesus said about that and uh, ask God to give us wisdom and instruction for how we can have an even better prayer life. Can you say amen? Let's pray together before we're seated. Jesus, we thank you for your word, and we know that it is anointed. We know that your word is transformative, enlightening. And Lord, I pray that before we leave tonight, God, that you would open our understanding, that we might learn of your word how to pray as you have instructed us to in your word. I pray you would touch each and every person tonight in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Somebody say, teach us to pray. Amen. Um, If uh, Brother Henderson and Brother Roberto, if y'all could help me out. We're going to hand something out. You can follow along as, um, as I go. And this is for you to take. This is an outline. If you'll throw that slide up. This is an outline for you to take to your uh, daily prayer closet or your daily time of prayer. And um, we're going to be printing this out. And we're going to try to print this out on a card or, uh, or something like that that where you can keep this in your Bible and you can um, have this and maybe, maybe put it in a notebook and, and write along with it. But it's an outline of prayer. It's a daily prayer outline how that, um, at least for me, it's a way that, that when I can go through this, um, rare is the time that I, I feel like I haven't touched God or God hasn't touched me. Amen. And so um, you can follow along with me. I'm going to teach on this for just a little while. I, I remember I had been evangelizing for a little while, and I was uh, back when I was a single evangelist. You, they didn't put me in hotels all the time or in motels. They, often you stayed in the home with the pastor and his family. Um, that for a few reasons. One, uh, you were just starting out, and they didn't really care. <laughs> and two, a lot of places I went couldn't afford to put you anywhere. And uh, so it was there. Sometimes it was in Sunday school rooms on a, on a foam mattress on top of a table. A uh, little Sunday school table, and they'd bring a dresser in there, and I would use the uh, bathroom there with, in the Sunday school rooms, and I'd use the shower over at the pastor's house or 
something like that. And, and, but oftentimes, as a single evangelist, um, especially those first, uh, first year or two, there were times I was staying in the pastor's home, and, uh, which is, was fine then. Like I said, I was young, and, and, and I didn't need much. And I was in a particular revival, and I would get up every day, and as was my custom when I'd pray, um, I, would, I would go through a very similar thing that I had written out and had memorized up to this point, and I would, I would go to the Lord in prayer, and I would use this, this outline. And sometimes going through this outline, you know, be done in 15, 20 minutes, sometimes three hours. It just, it, it all varied on how the Spirit of the Lord was moving or drawing me or depending on the schedule. And I remember in this one particular revival, I was staying in the home of this pastor. And um, I was down in their, their uh, I guess you call it their basement. It's one of those tri-level homes. You know, you go in here and then there's there and then there's there. And it had one bedroom and a bathroom. I kind of had the downstairs to myself, which felt like the Hilton to me because I had slept in a lot of Sunday school rooms. I'd even stayed in those uh, RVs that go over the back of a pickup truck. You know what I'm talking about? Those camper shell things. I'd been, I'd been in a couple of those at that point. One of those revivals got paid with a bucket of chicken. Amen. True story. True story. At the end, said, wish we could do more and hand me a bucket of chicken. And I thought, well, I wish you could too. Amen. But a greasy bucket of cold chicken. Amen. And so uh, I just took that down the road, wondering how I was going to ring that out into the gas tank, but God provided. And so after, after a, uh, a few weeks of this revival going on, the, the pastor and his wife sat me down, and they said, we, we noticed that every day when you pray, uh, it, sounds like, it sounds like something's happening. And uh, I don't pray for volume, but they lived away from the church, and, and um, I didn't have a key going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, so I just decided to pray there. I didn't know if they were home or not home. And... Um, they talked to me, and the pastor's wife said this. I'm, I'm relaying this because this is what started me on this journey of sharing it. The pastor's wife said, you know, we've had a lot of evangelists and missionaries come through. And she said, and my husband and I were talking. They are former missionaries themselves and said that, she said, I, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. She said, but we just enjoy listening to you pray because it sounds like you are making contact with God every time you pray. They said, matter of fact, we, we started trying to time our prayer around your prayer time. And we would get down in the living room and pray. And if we got down to the floor, we could hear you even better. And we would try to go along with you while you were praying. And they asked me, they said, would you, would you show us? Well, first of all, they said, do you use a formula or are you just winging it? And I said, well, I've, I've kind of got an outline. And... Uh, then the pastor and his wife said, would you show us how you are doing this? Because we want to be able to follow along with that because it just seems very effective. Now, I was really surprised. I mean, I'd, I'd never been to a prayer class. Like, it is the right way to pray and the wrong way to pray. Um, God just showed me in his word because I think everything God wants us to do, if he wants us to do it, it's going to be in his word. And over time, God just, re, just revealed this to me. And so I did, and as I, I sat at the table that night, and uh, we ate leftovers. I was going through 
this deal, and I was going through the scripture and why, why I feel to do it this way. The pastor and his wife began to weep and cry, and then the, his next response was, would you spend some time with our young people, and would you teach our young people how to pray like this? And I said, well, I, I can do the whole church. He goes, no, no, not yet. Most of our church is too set in their ways. They were taught how to pray 40 years ago under somebody else, and, and they're going to stick with that, and they're just in their rut. So you just teach the young people, and let's see if they notice anything different. And so I did. I took time in that revival, and I would teach the young people how to pray. Now, their church was a two-story church. That building up in the northwest it was a very old building, and there was an upstairs level, and there was a basement into it. And in one of the rooms, one of the Sunday school rooms in the basement um, was their youth room slash youth prayer room. And so before church, the young people would go down there in their own room and they would pray. And they had a a prayer room. And so I would spend time for about, I I think we had about three or four sessions where I just taught about prayer. How important prayer is, where you got to get this as a young person. It's not to say that if you don't, get a connection with God as a young person, you never will, but there's disciplines of a prayer life you have to get as a young person. If you say, well, I'm going to wait till I get a family, and too late, you missed it, it's going to be harder. You got to get it when you're young. Amen. You got to fall in love with prayer. You got to fall in love with talking to Jesus while you are young. Not just before church, not when you got an assignment to do in a service. You got to fall in love with talking to Jesus all the time. I had a tremendous example in my grandmother who prayed all the time. And that, that was my example that I learned. And I could sit here and tell you story after story. Uh, before I even got into ministry, driving the back roads in uh, northeast Texas and southwest Arkansas, northwest Louisiana, just driving the back roads, going from place to place and, and pulling over, even at 1 in the morning, just walking turning my flashers on in my truck and just walking out into the woods a couple hundred yards. And you know where I was. If there's a barbed wire fence, I didn't jump it because I didn't want to get shot. But if there was a spot, I'd just walk to the woods and I, and I would just stand there and pray. And if there wasn't, I'd just put my hazards on, turn the truck off, roll down the windows. And, and I mean, there's no, there's no homes out there. It's, it's darker than dark. And I just have my time with Jesus. And I would just, when it just came upon me, I'd just, I'd just pray. I'd evangelize and, I'd be driving back and forth from um, East Texas to Seattle, Washington. I made that trip more times than I can count. And pray to God I never have to drive that again. I drove it so much. Sometimes two or three times in a month, I would leave right outside of Dallas and drive straight to Seattle. And I was, I was getting it done. Amen. Uh, put Smokey and Bandit to the shame. Amen. I was, I was burning the roads, getting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But there were times when I'd feel the Holy Ghost move on me, when I was just praying, when I was driving. And there were times I'd pull over. It didn't matter if I was in the desert. It didn't matter if I was in Four Corners. It didn't matter if I was in Wyoming. It didn't matter. I knew when this was coming on me, I need to pull over right now, and I need to pray because God's getting ready to speak to me, or, or I'm feel, I, I just need to pray. And I've pulled over in some of the most majestic places in the Rocky Mountains that you can't even, I can't even fathom the beauty that to this day I don't know where it is on a map, that I spent time with God, and I've been in some of the ugliest places 
like the desert. I don't like the desert. If you like the desert, that's your deal. I don't like the desert. Amen. There's a reason most people don't live in the desert. Amen. And But I've been there, pulled over and, and prayed and said that to say this. You've got to learn to love prayer and learn to love talking to God. There is no magic pill. There's no little wand we can wave over you. There's no... There's no Holy Ghost magic dust we can sprinkle over the top of you that's going to make you want to talk to God. You're going to have to do that for yourself. You're going to have to make yourself do it until it becomes a habit, and a habit until it becomes a discipline, and a discipline until it becomes a passion. Amen? If you only learn to pray when you need, God will keep you in want. The Jews don't pray over their food one time. The Jews have two prayers. They give thanks before they eat, and when the meal is over, they give thanks again. And the reason why is they want their children to learn to communicate and thank God when their bellies are empty and when their bellies are full. If we're not careful, the only time we'll talk to God is when, when our bellies are empty and we are in want and we are in need. But that's not the kind of relationship Jesus Christ desires with us. He desires a relationship with us where we will talk to him whenever we can. Whatever opportunity we can grab. We used to sing a song out of the hymnal that said, Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. That calls me from the world of care and bids me at my father's throne, makes all my wants and wishes known. I've oft escaped the tempter's snare by thy return. Sweet hour of prayer. We'd sing that song, sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer. There's something about that. You say, well, they didn't have, they weren't as busy back then as we are. Yeah, let's talk about how busy we are. They didn't have the distractions we have. That's right, because they, one, they couldn't always afford it, and two, uh, they had disciplines to not get involved in it. Now, I grew up and the old timers believed if you didn't pray an hour a day, you weren't even saved. You could have sleeves to your knuckles. You could talk in tongues till you get an accent. None of that matter. They did not believe that you could be saved if you did not pray for one hour a day. I, I Believe me, I know. I remember being a young person going, wow, <laughs> this is pretty intense. An hour a day? And that was a minimal. You didn't pray an hour a day. They didn't even think you were saved. Where do you think the old hymnal song came from? Sweet hour of prayer. They believed that one hour a day uninterrupted was a minimal you should give to God in prayer. Pretty interesting. It's amazing. We want the revival they had, but not give the dedication they gave. And I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this for any other reason than to say contrast where we are today with where they were then. They focused themselves. They, they, they made it a habit. Then they made it a discipline. Then, then it became a passion. And that's what prayer has got to become. And so I taught, I, I, I worked with those young people, a lot of them who are still in church today, and on how to pray. And went through this outline I'm going to share with you. And we saw God do 
so many powerful and marvelous things in that, in that revival. Matter of fact, in that particular church, I would come back about every three to four months, no matter what I was doing, no matter where I was, um, I would fly back or drive back, whatever, and we would lock in for two or three weeks, and we'd have revival. And within two years of that revival, they had outgrown that building so much, they had to sell it and build a brand new uh, facility in a totally different location that they have now that seats 400 people in the sanctuary. They were running about 60 then. And a whole education wing, they got a full-time school going there and everything. It's one of the largest churches in that little town in the Northwest now. And I believe it all began, it all began when they got a passion for prayer and those young people turned everything upside down with prayer. I remember, I remember service. They were trying to start service, but they couldn't because the youth room sounded like a war room. I mean, the youth room sounded like, like something was going off in there. It was, la it was roaring up through the floor. And they'd finally just start the service. And oftentimes, young people would come staggering into the sanctuary, drunk in the Holy Ghost, lost in the power of God, worshiping. And it flowed, and it flowed, and it flowed. And so many young people were saved uh, during that revival. I can tell you as a result of that, um, almost, almost one year and a half later, I was in a car wreck, the car wreck that changed my life. And I remember, and I'm going to make a very long story short, I remember everybody had prayed for me. I remember everybody had come by. I had so many prayer cloths that could have made a quilt. Uh, they told me I was never going to walk again. I died three times. I was going to live in a wheelchair. I, I mean, just the prognosis was grim. And I had preachers call me, uh, great men and women of God, and God hadn't healed me. God hadn't touched me. I didn't feel the touch of God. I couldn't feel God. It was a miserable feeling. Being in the hospital almost three months is a miserable feeling. Being in critical care unit for almost two months is a miserable feeling. But I'll never forget the night that this pastor called me. And he said, he said I'm going to pray with you. And in my mind, I thought, well, go ahead. Everybody else had. That, that, was, that was my mindset. Every time people call me to pray, I'd roll my eyes. By that point, I'd just roll my eyes and put the phone over here. Because everybody was praying and nothing was happening. I felt like God had forsaken me. He didn't care anymore. And he said, we're going to pray for you. He said, I'm going to pray for you. He says, as a matter of fact, I'm not going to be the only one to pray for you. He said, our entire youth group is at my house right now. And the young people you taught to pray, they're fixing to pray for you. And he put that phone down, and within about two minutes, I couldn't hardly understand anything coming over the phone because the phone was distorting. It was so loud. And that place went up in a roar of prayer, about 30 young people praying so intense and so passionately. And it was in that moment that I had the first spiritual breakthrough I'd had since I'd been in the hospital. And a healing process started in my spirit, started in my mind, and within, an, within a week, I got to go home from the hospital. I was supposed to be in there another month because those young people tapped into a vein of prayer. They fell in love with prayer. They became passionate about prayer. They believed in prayer. Amen. So I'm saying that to say, you can read this outline all you want, but if you don't make it a daily practice, if there's no faith, if there's no commitment to it, then you might as well just go print off any prayer. You can just keep praying the prayer of Jabez, amen, or whatever prayer they come out with at the bookstore. You've got to want to come in contact with God every time you pray. I don't know about you, but when I pray, I'm not wasting time.
And when I pray, I'm not just crossing my fingers and hoping that God hears me. When I pray, God's going to hear me, and I'm going to hear from God. When I pray, I expect things to happen. When I pray, I expect God to move. Amen? That's what I want every time I pray. I want to come in contact with God. And that's what the disciples wanted. They, want, they would listen to Jesus pray, and they, they finally had enough courage to say, Lord, teach us to pray like you pray because things happen when you pray. I don't know about you, but I don't want to pray and nothing happened. Now, there's going to be seasons. Let me just stop and say, if you live for God long enough, there's going to be seasons where not every time you get down to pray are the heavens going to start shaking. That, that's just called a drought. There's a period of time where that sometimes that happens, maybe a day, maybe a month. But for the most part, when I go to prayer, I want things to happen. I want things to happen. I want to feel the touch of God. I want to know that when I got up from prayer that I have just reached up into the eternal world and start moving things around. Because I don't pray cheesy little prayers that just affect me. Now listen, you think I'm crazy or what, and, that, and that's fine. But when I pray, by the power of God, I believe I'm reaching into eternity. I'm stepping out of this temporal world and into an eternal world. Amen. He said, teach us how to pray. And so Jesus said, all right, well, when you pray, pray our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. He broke down a basic template. It doesn't mean every time you pray, you've got to pray the Lord's Prayer. He said, use this as a model. Use this as a blueprint. I believe that the Apostle Paul picked up on that. And then... Second, First Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, it's on your handout. He writes and he says, I exhort thee therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Tapping in on the fact that it may not line up exactly line for line with the Lord's prayer, but it is the basic structure that Jesus laid out for prayer. And it should be no surprise since when Paul went to the desert, he learned from Jesus and walked based upon what he had been shared from God. Now watch this. There is a structure when you get into prayer. There is a blueprint. Now you can walk into prayer all haphazard if you want to. Just walk. I, I see people walk in like they're punching a time card. Click. Matter of fact, there used to be a guy that would go, <laughs> my wife isn't here, she died laughing, she knows who I'm talking about. He'd walk into a prayer room, he'd go, he'd go, all right, God, I'm here, checking in. And he'd just start praying. And then when he got done, he'd go, this is me, God, checking out. <laughs> True story. True story. Checking in, checking out, like God went, all right, boys, you get that, um, you write that down one time you start? No, God knows. Because truly, it, it's not the, the, really, it's not the quantity of prayer you have. It's not how long you pray, but how much you pray when you're praying. That, that's not to say, well, then I can get my prayer done in five minutes. No, you, sometimes you can. 
But most of the time, try that in the marriage. Now, this is, the ba- this is based off of a relationship with Jesus Christ. We're the Christ. We are the bride. He is the husband. And all you married folks, or let me back it up. All you people that have a good marriage, understand how this principle works. You've got to have communication. You don't walk in the house and go, all right, you got five minutes. Tell me what you want to tell me. Uh, no, that's not how it works. You got three minutes. Tell me what you want to what, what I got, I got stuff to do. It don't work like that. It doesn't work like that. And I think we're mature enough to, to catch this drift to say, you know, the, the, it, it also doesn't work that the only time you want affection would be the only time you communicate. Because that don't work either. Right? You don't say, oh, well, talk to me, honey. I'm in the mood. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. She's going to look at you like you just fell off of, uh, of a pickup truck or something on your head. That's not how it works. You haven't talked to me in a week, and all of a sudden you're going to talk to me because you want something. But it's funny how we do that to God. We'll go, we'll go weeks without talking to him. I mean really talking to God. Now, I'm not talking about, oh, we're, we got countdown. At best, get seven minutes out of that ten. I'm, not ta- I'm talking about where you and God communicate. But what do we do every time we need something? Oh, God, if you'll just help me out. Lord, just give me that job. Give me that promotion. We're so petty. We'll sit at a red light and go, Lord, speed this red light up. But you won't even give him the time of sincere prayer that it took for that light to change. We've got to get a burden and a passion for communicating with God. Amen? So there, there, there comes this time that we, we realize this is a relationship. And you only get out of relationship what you put into a relationship. A marriage is a whole lot more than just not cheating on them. Right? I think every married person, I go, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty big deal, but it goes way beyond that. I mean, that's, that's fundamental. You don't, you don't celebrate your anniversary. This is the 18th year I haven't cheated on you. That's not how that works. I mean, what kind of a dingbat does that? Honey, I, I, I'm going to take you to Florida to celebrate the fact that I've been faithful. No, that's not. It's hilarious. But that's how we live for God. It's the only time I'm going to talk to him when I've got to get some. Oh, I've got Lord, do this. Bless me. Touch me. Do this. Oh, God. I, I. And God's going, where, where have you been the last 14 days? I, I, I ain't heard a word from you. Now, I pray, I pray every day. Yeah, let's talk about that prayer. Lord bless food in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. <laughs> you, you can tell a lot about a person by how they pray over the small things. Amen. There's a connection. There's a connection that's got to happen 
Amen. So y'all ready to go through this structure? I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you anything. You don't know. You love God. I get it. But there's got to be a structure in the prayer. It's not just walking in haphazardly and just, just kind of, you know, well, I'll just throw some mud against the wall and hope something sticks. That's not how it works. God's a God of order. God is a God of order. He's not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. And there's a way to approach him. Well, he accepts me as I am. Well, I can tell you haven't read past Genesis 1. I don't have to do anything special to talk to God. He accepts me as I am. Yes, he does. And he came down, robed himself in flesh. When he saw you, he had to come down, robe in flesh, die. When he saw you, when he saw you and me, it killed him. That's how bad we are. That when he saw us, he said, it's going to kill me. And then he rose again from the grave. So don't give, well, he just accept any, he doesn't have to, he's God. He doesn't have to accept that. Bishop Price, you say this all the time, he'd say, God will never accept the half-hearted hallelujah. I remember the first time I heard him say that, I, I was evangelized, I thought, man, I'm fixing to preach that. And then he said it again, and went, I went, whoa, wait a minute, that means if he doesn't accept the half-hearted hallelujah, how many hallelujahs is he rejecting in this service? And I'm, I'm looking around. I wish I'd had a mirror because that's where I needed to be looking. I'm looking around, people going, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. You know, worshiping like God, thank you. You ought to be glad I'm here. It's been a long day. And it's like God said, Well, you should have just went home because I'm getting nothing out of this. Amen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we've got to understand some things about God. We've let too much of this, of this sloppy, kumbaya, hippie-type stuff get in the church. Now, that might work for the demoniacs at Hillsong, but that don't work in the church of the living God. That may work for them soul-hustling liars on TBN, but that don't work in the church. There's a way to come to God, to present before the Lord. Amen? Amen. He will accept you as you are, but he refuses to leave you as you are. Amen. Amen. When you, when you, I, I know I'm referencing marriage as a marriage a lot, but the, the parallel is biblical and it's striking. Amen. You, you remember when you were courting your spouse? Remember how many times you'd brush your teeth before the date? How many mints you'd put in your mouth? Try to tuck them in like the. Didn't want them to see it. I remember breaking mints into quarters. And so it'd be small enough to hide between my gums and my, and my cheek. It's like they were going to go, wow, he magically has wonderfully pepperminty breath this whole time. <laughs> right? Be at youth camp, you know, and at youth camp, youth camp dating was the worst. Because, you know, y'all got to go eat breakfast together because if you didn't show up to breakfast, then she didn't think you. I mean, you're 14 years old at youth camp, and you're already planning on marrying and having four kids. <laughs> By the second night, which is redonkulous, amen. I mean, it's serious relationships at youth camp. I grew up going, 
Amen. I mean, you'd, you'd be third night of youth camp, Brother Ryan. Remember those third night of youth camp, man? God's giving you words for who's going to be your wife. You're 12. Let me, just, let me just pause and say this and hold on to your chair because I don't want you to pass out. But if you can't have a prayer life single, you're probably not ready for marriage. Because if you can't be faithful to God in prayer, you won't be faithful to a spouse. I leave that up to our youth leaders, but uh, I'm going to help you out tonight. Because you learn in that relationship with God to speak to him when you don't feel like speaking to him, which sometimes in marriage, you got to do that. I remember getting up and being at breakfast, you know, like eyes swollen like a zombie, but combing that hair. Back then it was gel. Had to get that gel, rub that gel in your hair, get your hair done just right. You know, you're 13 and you're about to go on your second date with your future wife that you felt so moved of God on. And then you got friends who are spiritual going, no, it's not her, it's that one. You go, oh, not her. <laughs> and you'd sit down, you're like. <laughs> I mean, you get done eating scrambled eggs and sausage, run back and brush your teeth. Marriage year three, roll over. Hi, honey, and about melt their face off. Right? Right? I mean, every married person is like, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of true. If you're smart, you sleep with mints beside your bed. I'm just saying. Amen. I keep Altoids in business. I heard about this young couple one time. They got married, and they both had a, a deep, dark, troubling secret. And the secret was that the... Uh, young man had a, a really bad uh, bacterial disorder in his feet, and his feet smelled really bad. Like, I mean, atrocious. If he took off his shoes, plants would die. It was really bad. But he never wanted his, his girlfriend, now fiancé, to know, and they, they, he kept this hidden. Well, she had a deep, dark secret, too, and that was she had clinical halitosis, which is a medical term for saying her breath smelled like funk smelt like something had died and crawled up in her mouth and died and when she when she spoke you could almost see but but she had this mints and she had these you know things that she could mouthwash with all day long but in, you know it, it was bad they kept this from each other and they got married and they woke up after their wedding night and she rolled over and said honey I've got something I have to tell you and he went you accidentally swallowed one of my socks? <laughs> okay. You might get it on your way home. If you don't get it now, you get it. Ask somebody after church. But do you remember in the courtship that the, the, the effort you put in to the communication? I, I, I can remember my wife, and I remember my wife and I were dating. I bought my wife her first cell phone, and she still has it to this day. A purple with silver trim flip phone. I believe it was from Sprint. You'd have to ask her. 
I bought it for her just so I can talk to her. Because bless God, when you're about to get married, you need to talk. And I'm traveling the country, and I'm in different time zones every week, and I need to talk to her. And it was 2002, and I'm a grown man at 22 years old, and I just didn't want to call the house. And her dad answered the phone and go, can I speak to Andrea, please? That's what we used to have to do. We used to have to call their home and the parent pick up the phone. And you'd pray, oh, God, don't let her dad pick up the phone. And all of a sudden you hear, hello. We are trying to call you about your car's warranty. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There wasn't any of that back then. All right, answer a click. Call back, dad answer the phone again. Click. Didn't, didn't care enough to talk to the dad to talk to the girl. Which, you know what? Still is the right thing to do. Young men, don't ever date a girl without talking to her dad first. That's, that's out of order. You go to the head of her. Well, what if he's not in church? doesn't matter. That's still the head of her home. Amen. That's the right thing. And if he said, well, what if he says no? That's his daughter. You don't get a choice. And girls let the guys call. Don't be desperate and needy. It, we, always looked, we always looked bad upon the girl that would call the guy first. Y'all remember that? The girl never called the guy first. If a girl called my house, my mom would put her hand over the phone barely because she wanted it to be heard. goes, who's this slut calling my house? That's exactly what my mom would say. And I'd go, that's my teacher. <laughs> Couldn't get away with it. That's what my mom would say. Now, look, I, I know that's a little colorful, but that's what my mom was. She was the music director of the church, too. And she, she'd answer, hello, who's this? You want to speak to who? Who's this hussy calling my phone? And then she'd hand the phone to me very slowly while I say it. Doesn't she know that only a desperate girl would call before you calling her. And I go, I've already talked to her dad. Well, then when you get off, we need a conversation. Because I didn't tell my mom she was going to call. That's just the way it was back then, you know, back when there was things like accountability. They don't do that to us. Pastor, that's old-fashioned. Well, old-fashioned kind of kept morality a whole lot easier. It really did. And uh, there's something about a young man going to a young uh, uh, lady's dad and talking to him first. That's just something about it. That's the right thing to do. Amen? Praise God. I got Brother John over there saying amen. <laughs> amen. And it's just the right thing to do, all right? And we'll, we'll get, I'll talk with you young people about that later, at a later deal. But I, the courtship was so important. I called my wife. We, do you know how much money I paid Sprint? This was back when you didn't get phone plans. It was by the minute. And, and, and it was by the minute, folks. You talked by the minute. And there wasn't nationwide coverage. There was roaming. This thing called roaming. Roaming meant you wasn't in your home area. 
Guess who didn't live in their home area as an evangelist? Anywhere outside the Dallas Metroplex, I was no longer in my home area. I roamed everywhere. I've been everywhere, man, I've been everywhere. That was my theme song. On the road again. I, and I call my, and I remember Sprint had a deal where you could talk, first minute was free. You know how many conversations I had that were 58 seconds? I'd hang up at 58 seconds, click. And I'd call him right back, talk to him for 30 seconds, click. Click. See, that's the sign of a phone shutting. It's like this, you had to close it. Abraham was looking at me like I was playing with a spaceship or something. The phones used to be like that. You remember them plans, Elder Henderson? You remember that? Did you ever have the one-minute free plan, the first minute's free? Did you have a lot of one-minute conversations during that time? Saved a lot of money, didn't it? Oh, and after 9 o'clock was free, depending on what time zone you were in. I may have been in a 9 o'clock time zone, but my future wife, it was 7 o'clock. So to get the 9 o'clock deal, I had to wait till 11 o'clock if I was central time, 12 o'clock if I was east coast time, for it to be 9 o'clock her time. And when I bought her that cell phone, we were engaged, I had access to the throne room. Do you know how much I'd get phone bills? $900. $900 phone bills. I was broke when I married her. $900. That's a lot more than 900 I had had cell phone bills that were a thousand, eleven hundred dollars, because I wanted to. T- Remember that you just couldn't stop talking to them. God, you hang up. No, 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 you- I love you. No, I love you. I love you. If you love me, hang up. No, I'm not gonna hang up because I love you. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? I remember getting mad because I'd be like, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. And, and all you hear. <sighs> and I'm like, hold on. I'm paying for you to go to sleep on the phone. Get off my phone. You're going to go to sleep. Man, that's 19 cents a minute. Get off my phone. But you wanted to talk to him. I remember calling her. And, and, and she'd answer, go, hello, what are you doing? I'm at work. Can you take a break? No, I just got here. Father, forgive us in advance. Tell them you're sick. Just got daunted. I remember telling just put the phone on the counter. I don't care. Just, I just need to hear you talk. That's crazy. You've never been in love. <laughs> or it's been a long time. What, what if we ever fell in love with Jesus like that? Just got to talk to him. Just got to talk to him. I need to hear his voice. I need to talk to him. There's a way you can talk to him. And he will talk back. He will talk back if you'll listen. Most of the time, we don't give enough time for God to speak back to us. 
And if, if you will follow this, if you will follow this, you are going to hear back from God a whole lot more than you have. And I'm not talking about him audibly speaking. You know, I'm not talking about a James Earl Jones voice booming out. Hello. This is God speaking. But you'll hear that still, small voice. And more times than not, he's going to speak to you through his word. He's going to lay a scripture on your heart or on your mind. Because most time, he's going to communicate with you through his word. And then the more you build up a relationship with you, he'll start ad-libbing. You know what ad-libbing is? It means you go a little off script. And then more and more and more. But God only opens up to people that he can trust. You, you, you've got to put some skin in the game if you want the Lord to talk. Because prayer is not a monologue. A mono, mono means one. It's not a one-way communication. It's a dialogue. It's a back and forth. All right, you, ha you have your uh, sheet in front of you? I use that outline, those two scriptures are my outline for prayer. How, how, many, how many is feeling a little, uh, maybe a little excited about stepping into a dimension of prayer maybe you haven't tapped into before? And it's not to say you don't have a prayer life, you haven't attempted one, but you want to go a little further. Based upon those two scriptures, this is what I felt the Lord had laid on my heart. And uh, Brother Garza and his team, I'm sure in the next few weeks we'll get together and make it a whole lot better than my cheesy printing out here. I'd love to see us get it in a, some kind of a card stock thing. It would be really nice. You can keep in your Bible. Here's the other thing. Let me, I didn't put this on there, but if you pray without a Bible, and I mean a physical Bible handy, you are missing out. Let me say, if you, if you don't have your Bible with you, it doesn't, well, I can't pray. I don't have a physical Bible with me. I'm not saying that. What I'm trying to tell you is get away from using your phone for your Bible when you pray. Because you know what happens? You look at it to go to the scripture. Oh, I've got six new notifications from Facebook. I've got somebody texting me from work. I've got this. Take that phone and turn it over. Get a physical, real-life Bible. There's two things you need when you pray, a Bible and a notebook and pen. I guess it's three things. A notebook and pen and a Bible. Always have those handy when you're in prayer. Because God's going to speak to you. He may lay on you a phrase. You're like, oh, that phrase. And oftentimes you'll be able to find that phrase. You know how many times God spoke to me a scripture I didn't even know existed? Has that ever happened to you before? Amen. He will speak to you. Write it down. And then go back to it. Amen. God will speak to you. So when you go into prayer, have a Bible, a physical Bible. I highly suggest you have a time in prayer where you can turn, turn, turn your phone on airplane mode. Can I just be honest? Um, good, because I'm going to be. I, I, would, I don't think you'd want me to be dishonest. There are, there are times, how do I say this? Someone, now, there's always an exception to this, so don't just say, well, every time. No, there's always an exception to this. But if you are in a, 
conversation with somebody, and I'm not talking about a passing, hey, how are you doing? But if you are in a conversation one-on-one with somebody and they keep looking at their phone, what they're telling you is you're not that important. I was with, well, not too long ago, because I, I can't remember where it happened. Nope, nobody in here. But somewhere, I was, somebody wanted to talk with me. And I'm talking, and they're constantly looking at their phone. I just stopped, and I said, is everything okay? You got something to do? Oh, no, no, just somebody's texting me. And I said, oh, okay. Well, I put things on hold so we could talk. So why don't, why don't you go answer all your phone calls, and then we'll set up another time where the, us talking is going to be more important than the phone. That's not being rude. That's being real. How do you think the king of glory feels? When we're trying to talk to him and, we, and we're just, oh, some notification from Instagram, notification. Turn it over. Turn it over. Now, when we have prayer here. I'm not talking about our Thursday night prayer. I'm talking about your prayer life. It's good for Thursday night prayer too. But I'm talking about your prayer life. Turn it over. Would you meet with your boss and be checking Facebook while your boss is talking with you? No. Would you do that if the mayor was to, I don't care if you like the mayor, the governor, the president. I don't care if you don't like them at all. If you were in the Oval Office and the president, for the sheer respect of the office, you'd turn that phone off. But we don't do that to the Lord. Take a physical Bible, a pen, and something to write on, a piece of paper. Okay, And then here's what we're going to do. When you go in, you're going to begin with thanksgiving. Right? Paul said, uh, uh, Jesus said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There's an air of thanksgiving in there. So you're stepping in to, and not just any thanksgiving. According to Jesus, it's relational thanksgiving. When you talk to God, When you open up your prayer time, open up with relational thanksgiving. Not just God of the cosmos, Jehovah Jireh, you know, El Shaddai. Talk to him in relationship. Talk to God in relationship. Father, I I just want to thank you today. I want to thank you for waking me up this morning. I want to thank you. They used to say this all the time. You'd hear the old times, right? I want to thank you for waking me up clothed and in my right mind. They just put it all in there at once. Woke me up, got some clothes, and I'm in my right mind. Thank you, Lord, for protecting me today. Father, I, I want to thank you for your mercy in my life. Talk to him and give him thanksgiving through relationship. What you're doing is you're not reminding God of of his relationship to you, you're reminding yourself of who he is in relationship to you. All right, I'm I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these because they're really self-explanatory. After a few moments of that, you've got to, and the more you do this, the easier you will be able to discern where the Spirit is leading you in this. Where you're going to learn to stop there for a, a minute, five minutes, an hour. I've been stopped on any one of these for multiple hours. Because I'm praying and I'm going uh, uh, down what I call a highway. I'm going down a highway. And I'm traveling. And when the Lord moves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take an exit right there where he wants me to be. And I'm just going to park there for a while. 
And then when the Spirit moves me on, I get back on that highway of prayer, and I keep praying, and I'll just keep going, and if I feel him stop me here, I get off, and I'm going to stop right there, and I don't know how long that's going to be. That's up to him. I'm doing my part, then he's going to do his part. After I've given him thanks, because it would be improper to begin to just start out begging God for stuff. Come in with gratitude and thanksgiving. And then immediately after, approaching with contrition through repentance. You don't got to spend a lot of time. You don't got to come. Here's what some people do. They will beat themselves up. Oh, I'm just a dog. I'm just low down. I'm, you don't, no, no. Come into his presence with contrition. After you've given him thanks, just stop for a moment and say, Lord, and I just want to take a moment and ask you to forgive me of anything that I may have done or said that has violated our relationship. Anything that I have done, and if you know, don't say, Lord, forgive me if I've done anything and you just cussed the bank teller out. You better ask him to forgive you for that. Brother Reuben, have you ever told your wife, I'm sorry if what I said offended you? And she had literally just told you what you said that offended her. Yeah? How long were you on the floor, really? Seriously. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? I mean, how insulting is that when you tell somebody, that hurt me? That hurt. And, you, and their response is, well, if I hurt you, I'm sorry. If? Hey, doofus, I just told you. I literally just, I, literally, I spoke it to you. And you're saying, if. So if you know what you've done, confess it to him. Lord, if I've offended you, you swerved in the, somebody's front yard and run over their dog on purpose. You better repent over that and say, Lord, if, 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 you was malicious. You dog murdering sinner, you got to repent over that. <laughs> Amen. You, you got to, don't, don't just if. Come on, let's be real. So I didn't know what I said hurt them. Yes, you do. You're, you're, you're not... You're not dense. You knew it hurt them. Well, I didn't mean to say it. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. You meant to say it. Unless you got Tourette's or something, you meant to say it. You purposefully said it. Come on, God's not a dummy. He, the Bible said he knows the thought and the intent of the heart. So you can't fool God say, well, Lord, I didn't mean. You got to say, Lord, I, I did it on purpose, and I'm sorry. I said it. Help me. Set a watchman at my mouth. If you did it, 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 come on, let's be real. If you got something in your heart, ask God to help you with it. Ask him to forgive you. If, if you struggle with lust, if you had a moment, ask God, forgive me. We'll say, Lord, forgive me if. And you know you did. Y'all got the picture? But you don't got to sit there and, and beat up on yourself. And then when you have repented, how many know what we do right after that? We've done this hundreds of times. What do we do right after we repent? We thank God for it because we receive his mercy. Don't move on and say, God, forgive me. Okay, boom, and shift into another gear. Say, Lord, now I want to thank you because you're faithful and just to forgive me. Although I don't deserve it, I want to thank you for forgiving me. All right? So a time of repentance, all right? And as soon as you are done with that, this is so important. The Bible says now it's time for supplication and prayers. Now, supplication and prayers are two different things, okay? We often, even though they are 
synonyms in the English language and the Greek, they're two different things. Supplication simply means a petition or a request. Okay? So when you go to the Lord, you are going to give him, that's when you give him your petition, your request. Lord, I'm asking. Lord, would you open a door for a new job? Would you, whatever that thing is. And can I be honest, this ought to be one of the smallest portions of your prayer. Because this is one of the only times your prayer is focused here. So if you have a 30-minute prayer time with the Lord and 20 minutes is sent, spent on that part, prayer's out of balance. Make, make your petitions known to the Lord. Petition him, Lord, move in, in this situation. I'm asking you, Lord, to bless my family. I'm asking you, Lord, to the, all right, so you have petitions. Next is prayers. Prayers are so important because prayer is different than a petition. Because now you are asking, amen, for something that is in relation to a need in your life or a person in your life. And you go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, change me. You've petitioned him for things. Now, change me. You're praying now. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Now you're going into prayer. You have requested of God for needs and wants in your life. Now you are requesting for God to help you. You are praying. And then you can pray for other situations. You can pray for a need that is on your job. You can pray for a need over here. And if you'll notice how this is working, it's all flowing. It's all flowing and it starts out into just a little creek or tributary and it builds into a mighty wide and powerful river it started out with just simple thanksgiving in relationship and then a time of repentance and then a time of a petition or supplication and then all of a sudden you move into a time of prayer and it's building it went from a trickle now it's you're starting to see currents rippling now it's it's building up and as you're in that prayer you you have got to say god i need you lord in my life i need you god to do this and you're praying and then you move from that to a time of intercession intercession follows prayer most people don't know how to intercede and i'm not going to take a lot of time to do this maybe i'll do another lesson in the coming weeks specifically on how to pray intercessory prayer but as as simply and as generically as i can tell you intercessory prayer has nothing to do with you and everything to do with him and the lost so now you're moving into does anybody know what it means to intercede just throw me a definition out of intercession, of what it means to intercede. Pray on somebody's behalf. You are standing in the place of someone. An attorney intercedes for their defendant. A prosecutor intercedes for the innocent victim. They are on their behalf speaking. When you go into intercessory prayer, you are praying most of the time intercessory prayer for the lost. Now, you can pray intercessory prayer for healing over this person in the church or their marriage in the church or whatever. But intercessory prayer needs to be about reaching God, saving the lost. And this right here, if you're wondering, if you're taking notes, write this down. You can draw this in there right there. Right here is where the heart prayer ought to come in, in intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer is where the heart acronym prayer ought to come in. You can start, and here's, have you noticed how it's building? 
It went from just, you know, relational thanksgiving. Then it went to repentance. Then it went to prayer. Uh, it went to supplication, petition, prayer. Now it's in intercession. Now it's by this time. By this time, you're, you're I don't know how long. It's, it all depends on what God's moving in your life and how things are moving. But you are well into, you're into the meat of this prayer meeting right now. And you're praying and you're asking now, God, now God save my family. God save my co-worker, Lord. And, and you are praying the heart prayer. Listen, you are interceding for the lost. I cannot emphasize this enough. And you are praying for them by name. You are praying for them by name. Oh, God, save uh, 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 Ryan. Oh, God, uh, would you please save Tyler and Stephen. Lord, I'm asking, right, and then talk about the situation. Lord, for Greg and Adriana and Cameron and Ayana. Lord, I'm praying that you would move in their life right now. Oh, God, I'm asking that as their heart is sensitive, Lord, uh, would you move in? Would you open their eyes? Uh, would you give them your attitude towards sin? You're praying the heart prayer. You're calling names in prayer. I'm telling you, when you go to prayer, you need to have that list of those at least 10 names, at least 10 names while you're praying the heart prayer. Amen. And when you're praying those prayers and you're calling those names, amen, the Spirit of the Lord is going to nudge you on some of those names. How many has been praying the, the list of, of names that, that you call in prayer? How, let me just ask you, and be honest, don't be ashamed if it hasn't, but when you've been calling those names in prayer, has the Holy Ghost emphasized one name over another name in your prayer life where you're praying for, and you're, it's like, whoa, boy, it hits you really hard out of nowhere. That's called intercessory prayer. You're praying for them. You get nothing out of it. It's not about you. It's about them. And you're in that intercessory. This is when you're most like Christ. When you are praying on someone else's, but you are doing something for somebody that probably don't even want you praying for them. And you're praying for them anyway. And intercessory prayer is likened unto, it's likened unto a woman giving birth. It's also called a travail. I mean, I, 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 I'm just going to say, and when I say the church, I don't mean here, local, I mean, I'm talking about the church at large. We have lost the art of travail and intercessory prayer. People don't know how to intercede anymore. They don't know how to travail anymore. No, they, they don't know how to weep before God anymore. The Bible says when Zion travails, she shall bring forth her children. The prophet prayed and said, God, open up my eyes that they would flow as a fountain, that my head were waters. He wanted to cry. He prayed, God, give me more tears to pray, to cry. Give me, let tears flow out of my eyes like rivers. That's what he prayed. We need to ask God, give us that old-fashioned intercessory prayer, that tra travailing. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you begin to intercede for the lost, amen, it's like giving birth. When you get into that time, of pro I, I, as far as I know. It's deep. It's intense. It has it has moments where it's extremely intense and loud, and then it backs off. And then it comes in, and, and, and you just, oh, and you're praying, and you're calling on God, and all of a sudden it just lifts off of you for a moment or two, or maybe done completely, and then, 
bam, it'll come back on like a contraction again. And, and you're just doubled up and you're, and you're praying and you're weeping and you're wailing and you're calling on God. And, and sometimes you're praying in tongues. Amen. This is what Romans 8 says when, when you begin to groan. Please don't, if if it's never happened to you, determine this happens to you before Sunday. It's not something you're going to want to do in the break room. You're not going to, if you get an intercessory prayer, you're not going to cover this up at work in the bathroom. You're going to need to get somewhere where you can tap into the Spirit of God. And more importantly, the Spirit of God can tap into you. Because God does nothing in the earth until he does it first through his people. We cannot have revival unless we birth the soul spiritually before we ever see them physically. I know I got to hurry up. Y'all, music team did great, got me up here early. Listen, you, you have got to hear this. If we are not birthing them spiritually, they are not going to come physically. I don't care what kind of outreach we do. I don't care how great our family days are. They'll come attend, think it's wonderful. But until we, one-on-one, individually in our own time of prayer get to where we can move into that time of intercessory prayer amen we're just going to have good church we're just going to do a little here and a little there but I don't know about you I'm ready to see this sanctuary packed out two and three times over a week I said two or three times over a week and you've got to be willing listen I gotta hurry but you've got to be willing to let the Spirit of God pray through you. And it's more than just talking in tongues and, you know, tie my tie, tie your tie. It's, I'm, not even, I'm talking about a groaning in the Holy Ghost. Something that is so over men, it's very uncomfortable for us because there is nothing natural about us as men giving birth contrary uh, to popular opinion from the dingbats in the media and in school. Men cannot have babies. I know it's a shock to some people. Amen. That's why it's unnatural for men to pray like this. But when a man will pray past his natural proclivity of not understanding what travail is because the Bible likened unto a woman in travail. A woman in travail. When a man, listen to me men, if you will push past that and when the Spirit of God moves on, don't you don't got to force it. When it moves on you and you begin to weep and all of a sudden the Holy Ghost starts praying through you, don't control it. Men, we have a problem. We like to control everything. Don't try to control it. Let it out. Just push a little bit harder. Say, oh God, oh God, touch. And then just let that prayer. And sometimes you'll find, there are times you'll find yourself curled up in a fetal position, shaking and praying. And you don't even know why you're praying what you're praying. You could be praying in English, in tongues. You could be praying in Swahili or some other language never known to mankind before. But if you will let that flow out of you, what God is doing is God himself is now praying through you. Because when we know not what we ought to pray, the Spirit prayeth for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You've got to be willing. Ladies, let me ask you, you've got to be willing. Men, you've got to let it be. If you will tap into that vein of intercessory prayer, I promise you God will turn your life inside out, upside down. You'll walk out of your prayer room, your prayer time. You'll be wiping sweat off. You'll be walking out going, my Lord, I just visited with God himself. Amen. I, I have been in the presence of the Most High God because God saw your sincerity and God was looking 
looking for a vessel through which he could transmit his will and his spirit. And if you'll let him in his intercessory prayer, he will use you. How many wants God to do that in your life? But he won't force you. You've got to be willing. You've got to be willing. All right, two more things. That's so important. And I, as a matter of fact, I'm going to do that. Can't do it next week. We got the thingamabob next midweek. It's 2.42, and, and then we can't do it. The week. But when I get back, I'm going to teach specifically on intercessory prayer. I'm going to break it down more. But I am praying that you will tap into it before Sunday. Get by yourself and tap into it. Don't try in traffic. You'll freak somebody out and have a wreck. You've got to get somewhere. You've got to get somewhere you can pray. All right. Now watch this. When the Spirit of the Lord, when the Spirit of the Lord prays through you, then the intensity of God's presence is going to lift off of you. Because you can't live in that. A woman cannot live in, 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 in uh, labor. Long labors are exhaustive for a woman. I, I mean, I hear. Right? Is, is that true, Sister Araleigh? How long was little Gus? 25 hours, my Lord. Ooh, what color is the cape that is under that jacket? Sure. That is superhero stuff. You can't live in that. The longer the labor goes, the, the less pleasant life is. So God's not going to let you. Somebody say, I just want to live in intercessory. No, you don't. Because God won't let you. You couldn't handle it. But when that lifts off of you, if you're taking notes, this is so important. You, you need to, it's on there, but you need to, you need to uh, enunciate this in your note-taking. When the intercessory prayer, when that intensity, when that burden lifts up, this is what it feels when you're praying. It feels like this. I mean, it's a pressing in the spirit. If you've ever prayed intercessory prayer, it's a pressing in the spirit. And then when that spirit lifts, I feel like I was going to snap you. We need to go eat some... <laughs> We need to go eat some steak or something. And <laughs> see, Taco Bell ain't helping you, Bubba. Well, Mexican pizza's back, so. So when that, when that lifts off of you, you'll feel it. You'll, you'll feel it. You'll feel light. And here is where 99% of people that pray intercessory prayer or even have a prayer life, this is where they mess up is in this moment. Because when they feel that lift, they go, oh, Hallelujah. Okay, all right. Well, thank you, Jesus. All right. You are not done because God's not done. It is in those next few moments God's about to speak to you. But we are in such a hurry. The next phase is what I call the Selah phase. Because after intercessory prayer, when that heaviness lifts up off of you, when you read in the book of Psalms and you read Selah, you know what that means, right? It means stop, think about it, reflect, just wait right here. Man, can you imagine if we did that in church today? I mean, we're having rock and worship, deep worship, and all of a sudden everything stops and somebody gets up, okay, everybody quiet, let's think about it. No, we're so raw, raw, cheerily driven. We can't do that. Meditation, meditation was a part of the early church. We think meditation, and we think of somebody in yoga pants sitting cross-legged. That's not what the, meditation means to put your mind on him. When that intensity lifts, 
do not reach over and check your phone. The moment you contact something, communicate with something worldly, the Spirit of God will go, and he's done. The moment you say, well, my phone was buzzing. I had to check. The moment you read that text, I don't care if it's the sweepstakes and you won $10 million. The moment you see it, all of a sudden the Spirit of God goes, I'm done. Because this is one of the most intimate moments you're going to have with God. Sometimes it lasts a few moments. Sometimes it lasts an hour. Can I be honest with you? There's been a lot of times, and I mean a lot of times, a lot of times, Brother Nate, when I've got done with intercessory prayer, especially when it lasted, you know, 30 minutes, an hour and a half. There's been times when I've got done and I just, whew. see, the Bible calls this the rest wherein he calls the weary to rest. That's the heavenly places that we set with him, the Bible's talking about. And it gets still and it gets quiet. And it just feels like you're drifting. I can't tell you how many power naps I've taken. You fell asleep praying? By design. Now, not, I do not recommend this on your lunch break. I'm, I'm, I'm just asking you to be sensible with this. This is why you've got to take time, make time to pray. And that, I mean, sometimes I'm not up for, for 90 seconds. And when I come to, it's like I, I have slept for 10 hours. Because now God, who have, where I have just expended my strength for him and in his cause, in that moment, now he's recharging me. It's that place of rest. Now watch this. And it's in those moments that God ever so gently leans in. I want to talk to you. And he'll speak to you. And he'll put a scripture on your mind. And you're just almost, almost as it were in a trance. You're in such deep meditation, and he starts communicating with you without ever hearing anything with a natural ear. He starts communicating and flowing with you. I can't tell you. You're in, it's so hard to explain it in mere words, but you get in this deep communication with God without even moving your lips. It's deep. You don't want to rush past that. And I don't say this in a way to belittle. But I can tell a lot of people have not had that happen. Once you reach that spot in prayer, you're going to be like, I cannot wait to get to that point again. And God does that by design through intercessory prayer because he don't want to put it in front of it because everybody would stop right there. You've got to let that time of Selah, that rest. Brother Matt, if you'll come. And then finally, when you are done, when you are done and God is done. Now listen, it, th there is no time limit on this, okay? I have prayed this, and I'm not trying to sound super spiritual, but I, I, listen, I, I'm telling there have times I have prayed this model, and I've got it all accomplished in, in, in 20 to 30 minutes. But there are times I've got caught in this and prayed in this and was in it for four or five hours without ever coming out of it. There have been times I've lost it. And listen, it's not, oh, that the longer I prayed, I was so super spiritual and all. But I am telling you, when I was a younger man, I could do this. I'd get off work. I'd go play softball or have a time of fellowship, whatever. And I'd get to the church at about 9 p.m. 
when we weren't having church or after church, go have a bite to eat with some folks, get back to the church around 9, 10 p.m. Still had to get up at 5. But I would be in that church till a lot of times 2 or 3 in the morning. And it was one prayer session. There were some times I was there until it was time to go to work. And God had restored my strength in that time. I'm not, I'm not telling you you have to do that. Look, I was 19, I was 18, 20 years old. I had the strength. I, I don't, supernaturally, I think I could do it if God wanted me to. I'm not saying you have to pray eight hours, six hours for God to prove something. But you need to set aside some time. If you've got a spouse, you need, let your spouse know, hey, I'm, I'm turning my notification, I'm silencing my phone for the next 30 minutes. Don't, nobody's broke in the house. You know, I haven't been kidnapped. It's not a rapture. I'm just not answering my phone. Okay? You need to tell the kids, I'm going in the room. I remember my mom would do this. She, said, she wasn't as kind about it. She said, I'm going in that room. And if y'all disturb me while I'm praying, Lord have mercy on you. And that little redhead Irish woman come out of there like the Tasmanian devil with a belt in each hand. That was her prayer time. You got to cherish and make that time. You got to make that time. But you need to block that time off and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in this flow. Because you know what? I've been praying. And I'm seeing God do some things. But you know what? More than I want my next promotion, I want to see my family saved. Would you stand with me? More than I want, more than I want a better house, I want my family saved. More than I want a, a bonus or a, a, a raise, more than any of that, more than all of that, you know what I want? I want the lost in this city to be saved. And when you're willing to shift your prayer to that, all God is looking for is a vessel. Mm, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. The Spirit of the Lord, all He's doing is looking for somebody that will be a yielded, and surrendered vessel to him. Amen. Now, we don't got time to spend two or three hours tonight. I get it. Well, I mean, hey, if you want to. But I'm asking, would you take between now and Sunday, would you take at least a half an hour at least once? Just try it. Take that, take that piece of paper. Take it in. I, we call it a prayer closet. If it's your bedroom, under your bed, in the back, whatever it is. Go in there and go through this list. Use this as a blueprint. Use this as a blueprint. There's three things you're taking into prayer. What is it? A Bible, pen, and paper. What are you not taking with you? Your phone. All right? Just try it. Just try it. Say, well, Pastor, open the church so I can do it. It's not about that. It's about you making the time in your home or somewhere. Go drive out County Road 27 or something. Go out there. I don't care. Find somewhere that you can pray. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do, and you've been so kind. Would you journal? Would you do that for me? 
Is there anybody be willing to journal your first time doing this? Would you write it down? When you're done, obviously. Don't just stop and go, okay, God, hold on. I got to write When you're done, would you journal your experience? Where you felt God move in, at what part it was stronger, how long it lasted, what God spoke to you, what he impressed upon you, intercessory prayer, the intensity. Would you journal that? And, and I'm not saying you have to, but if you would, would you share that with me? Just take a picture and text it to me or email it or whatever. And then keep a prayer journal every time you go into your time of prayer. Because God's going to speak. God, you'll start calling names in prayer. You'll start speaking names you didn't even know you knew. People you hadn't seen in 20 years. God will lay them on your heart. Amen. How many wants to pray this? Praise God. Right where you are. We don't have to come to the altar tonight, but right where we are. If you're willing, if you're willing to take this model to prayer, if you're willing to take this blueprint to prayer, and you are willing to become an intercessor, you are willing to go to the next dimension of prayer, I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now. And I want you to, from the depth of your heart, would you express to Him the longing of your soul to tap into a relationship with Him in prayer. Come on, that's it. Just tell Him, just tell Him tonight, Jesus, Lord, from the depth of my soul, from the depth of my being, Lord, I want you to know I've had all this world that I want. Lord, all of the distractions, all of the interruptions, all the busyness, Lord, even the busyness doing your kingdom's business. Lord, I'm, I, I just want you to know that I'm willing and I'm, I'm yielded to you, Lord. Lord, I want you to speak through me. I, I want you, God, to move on my life. Lord, I'm willing for you to wake me up at 1 a.m. I'll bury my face in a pillow and I'll pray. I, I'm willing for your spirit to come upon me, oh God, intensely. And Lord, that I will find a time during the day to pray intercessory prayer that you can pray through me. Hallelujah. That's it, First Church. Go ahead. I feel it already right now. Some of you are feeling the introduction of it right now. You're feeling the first touch of it right now. God's signifying that in your life right now. You're just feeling the kind of the finger of God just heavily upon your spirit right now. Amen. God's saying, yeah, I'll connect with you. I'll connect. I'll let you go into the secret place of the Most High. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I, I'm willing. Lord, I want to, God. I'm ready to see, Lord, a mighty revival in my family. Lord, I want this summer of harvest to not just be a catchy campaign slogan, Lord. I don't want this summer of harvest just to be some cool graphic we come up with. But, Lord, I determine with your help that I will be vital to this summer of harvest. Because if nobody else is willing to weep for the lost, God, I will. If nobody else is willing to intercede, I will. I'll intercede for my family. I'll intercede for their family. I'll pray for their co-workers. I'll pray for my co-workers, Lord. I just want to connect with you in a deeper and a more intimate way. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just a moment longer, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. In the name of Jesus, pray God, quicken to my spirit what it is you want from me. Lord, I pray over this church right now, over this awesome assembly of believers. Lord, I pray that in this very moment, you would bring to their mind, you would quicken to their heart and their mind that thing that time that you want in their day, that time that you want in their morning or in their evening. Some of you, God's already speaking to you a time. He's already saying, I want this hour. I want that half hour. I want this time. I want you to block everything out during this time. Come on. He's speaking to some of you right now. He already started saying that before I started Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.